Welcome along to the Free Teachers Podcast, where the goal is to elevate your English. Join hosts Ken and Andy, both experienced English teachers, as they take you on a journey to fluency. Each week, they will be joined by a special guest to share their experience and offer valuable tips and insights on all things English. This week's special guest is English teacher Claudia from Italy which you'll absolutely love hearing. So tune in, join the conversation, and we will help you achieve your English language goals and elevate your English. So let's let's begin for everyone who's just joining us. And this is going out on our podcast as well, the Free Teachers Podcast. I, just to, for those that are listening, um, I am Ken and I'm a native British English teacher and I've been getting so many questions from people on my Facebook page and on my Instagram page and I decided instead of just me, boring old me, telling people what I think, I decided to put three teachers together and we can talk about what people are asking. So my name's Ken, we've got Andy. Say hello, Andy. Hi, hello. <laughs> Please introduce yourself, Andy. Where are you from? Okay, These people so people don't know you. All right. So for those who don't know me, I am Andy from Andy's Everyday English, and uh-huh. I've been a teacher for about fourteen years now. Specialized fourteen in years. Yes, it doesn't look look like it. I know. Thanks, mom and dad for the good genes. (laughs) Um, But I've been working as a teacher uh, slash coach for about 14 years now, specialized Uh in second language learners. And I think that it is, you know, working on this field has been my true calling. And really? Recently, uh-huh. I uh, have uh, transitioned uh, into working um, into Cambridge exams and certification uh-huh. exams generally because I have done the TOEFL, the IELTS, uh, the Trinity wow. exam. I have done it depending on the country because the demand changes. Mm-hmm. Um, and apart from that, I also do uh, business English because in wow. the in my 14 years as a teacher, I have worked with children. I mean, I've I've gone through all the stages since uh, nursery, you know, then elementary school, uh, high school, um, university level, and then I've you know like focused on certification. So I uh-huh. and then adults, of course. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a ride. Excellent. <laughs> Andy, welcome. Nice to see you. And we know each other already, but yes. this is the first time for me that I have met Claudia. Oh, yeah, Andy's hi. friend, Claudia. So, Claudia, <laughs> say hello. Hi, hello. A little bit about yourself. I'm Claudia. I'm from Italy. I'm a baby. <laughs> I'm 28. And I have like five years of experience in the teaching field. Uh-huh. And I teach currently I teach business English, but I've also mm-hmm. taught at the university translation. Um, So I have also an academic experience from that point of view. Um, And uh, now I'm working as a freelancer. I have my Mm -hmm. own online business. I uh, train young people who want to improve their English uh, Uh for working purposes.
this. So I help them building their curriculum in English, preparing mm -hmm. for a job interview in English, and improve, generally improve their English for mm -hmm. uh, to attend, for example, uh, business meetings or to deliver a presentation, something mm -hmm. like that. Fantastic. And I'm very proud of my students. I, I really <laughs> like what I'm doing right now because I uh -huh. do it my own way, with my own pace, respecting my uh, timetables, my even creating a more efficient time uh, work-life balance let's say so yeah, yes yeah. I was sharing with Andy the other day the fact uh -huh. that I was struggling um being like in the flow of creating contents and uh -huh. with my students it's it could be really really overwhelming uh sometimes but it's it's also very fulfilling and uh -huh. Uh, a re is this, really, is this, really is this content for your for your social media Instagram, social or, or... media yes exactly right, right, yes right, right. because I I try to be present on social media to reach as many people as possible to yeah. uh, provide my services to people who really need this so yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent excellent you know I was saying before I came on here that if I'm a native speaker, I've, I've been teaching, I'm from Scotland, I've been teaching what, for about 15 years all over the world. The last 10 years I was teaching in, uh, in Asia, teaching university graduates how to prepare for interviews as cabin crew, yeah, flight attendants with airlines all over the world. But I, even though I'm a native speaker, and I always thought, Andy, you were a native speaker as well. And it's just an amazing accent you have. I always feel that non-native teachers always provide something much more that, than what native teachers can, a different perspective on, uh, you know, uh, in learning a language, you know. So I'm, I'm always really keen to get different viewpoints and uh, um, thoughts on what our students are actually asking us, you know. Yeah. So welcome along, Claudia. I'm really, ni really nice to see you, really pleased to see you, and uh, hopefully we can crush through some of these questions that people have been asking us yeah so we're live on facebook we're live on instagram no we're not on instagram we're on youtube i think and uh, we'll be putting this out onto the podcast as well if anyone's on facebook or or youtube and uh, want to ask a question then feel free to just jot down in the comments I've got it here so there we are so as i said i i've got about i got thousands and thousands of questions from students all over the world and instead of me just answering the questions that I really like to get a different kind of perspective from other students other teachers sorry and how they actually answer things you know because I feel I feel it's quite important to get different viewpoints okay so let's have a look we'll, we'll just dive right in we've got a few questions that we asked okay so can everyone see this? Can you see this? Is this loading? Yes. Are we live and direct? Okay. <laughs> so this, what I always say is, always get a good tagline and elevate your English. Put your English up to a new level, okay? First question that I've got is this. This was a question that was asked on my Instagram, and it is how to build rapport, how to build rapport with patients in my daily practice. Now, I was talking with Andy about this before, and uh, I suddenly clicked on my patients. Somebody's a doctor, you know, so how are you going to build um, rapport with patients in your work? For those that don't know, rapport 
and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. It's all about building a relationship, finding something in common with someone. It's very, very important to build a rapport um, when you're dealing with customers so that people can trust you, etc. Yeah. So, Claudia, you're, I'll go to you first since you're the newbie here. You're, you're dealing with um, kind of students, English learners in a business environment. Yeah. What's your advice for um, learners? to build rapport mm. um, with their, um, you know, with their customers, et cetera. What would be your advice for them? Uh, surely starting from uh, small talks. So try to uh, create a communication channel, let's say in the simplest way that you can think of. Let's think about how we create a report in Italian, in our native language, let's say. We mm -hmm. start with like, very common things uh, as a topic of our conversation and then we progress gradually progress to more complex and introspective topics uh -huh. so a good introspective what does introspective mean introspective yes. meaning like more psychological words. topics let's say more uh, -huh. uh yes profound <laughs> and personal topics yes uh -huh. mm -hmm. but you can start like from the weather you can start from just asking how are you this could be a very underrated but very good question to uh, to pose let's say uh-huh uh, so yes, start from what you know. This is uh, start from your comfort zone for, for something that will make you feel at ease with the conversation because uh -huh. otherwise also nervousness could play an important role in building a communication, building a report. In this case, it's building a communication mm -hmm. channel, let's say. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah. I'd like to jump in here. Yes, Andy. Mind, um, about small talk. I I um I talk so often about small talk on my page uh -huh. because a lot of people always say, "Oh, I hate small talk," and I don't like small talk here and there and whatever. And I'm like, "Of course, you're talking about the weather all the time." Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And I can bet that you are just thinking about, especially for example, from a linguistic perspective, you're like, "Okay, um, I am going." To, if the person is talking about the weather, I'm thinking more in my answer rather than paying attention to mm -hmm. what the other person is actually saying. Mm. So, um, I will go. Now that we're talking about uh, going deeper, in order to actually get better conversations, you can have quality small talk as long as it's genuine and you try to actually connect to, uh, you know, to connect with this person. For instance, building a report, that's why I love this collocation to build a report. Yeah. Something that you start from uh, from scratch. Yeah. There is like nothing. I mean, there is nothing more beautiful than two strangers getting to build a rapport. Uh, uh -huh. Because from there, there we can got friendship. And for instance, if we're talking from a business perspective, you can find a business partner. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you can, we marry a stranger. Hello. We, <laughs> that at the beginning was an absolute stranger after mm -hmm. small talk and then deep talk, this person can become our partner. So mm. it is really interesting that a lot of people say, oh, I don't do small talk. And I'm like, okay, really? So you start talking mm -hmm. about Seneca and philosophy. The first, mm -hmm. I mean, I would be deeply intimidated uh, uh -huh. or maybe if I'm, a, you know, like, I don't have the, the English level. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, imagine if that person started talking about really deep stuff. I'm going to be absolutely like mom. Mom, it's like, yeah, like deep stum. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> I don't know what is your your what are your thoughts about this. I think um, you know. I, I used my background is in finance. When I when I left uh, school, I, I moved to the financial capital of Scotland mm. in Edinburgh, and, mm. and I and I dealt in finance for about ten years. And one of the things they always said when you're speaking to customers, find find a contact point that you can start kind of having small, as you say, small talk, but small conversations. Small talk is generally kind of I feel small talk is like passing the time of day. Whereas rapport, you're actually trying to ask questions to build, as you said before, to build on something, you know. Mm -hmm. So why why are you wanting, and going back to the question, how to build a rapport with patients, I guess when someone's, when it's a medical thing like this, I guess people are trying to, to make the customer or the, the patient to feel calm or to feel relaxed in your company. So um, I guess that is... Uh, I guess building a rapport there is pretty different to most people kind of building a rapport on the street or building a relationship in business, et cetera. You have to find out why are you wanting to build this rapport? Are you wanting to calm someone down so that you can, you know, be their doctor, as in the question here? Or are you wanting to speak to someone to build a, a business relationship? So, I mean, there are kind of no-no topics, I guess, like in any language, there are kind of no-no, what I call no-no topics, where we don't really want to ask too many kind of private questions. Things like, what's your religion in British English would be, uh -uh, I don't think, you know, or how much money do you earn is a no-no in British English. There's also, when I was in Thailand, I don't know, there were some conversations that people would start and it's a very affectionate way to call someone, and that is the word fatty. They would say, hello, fatty, hello, Owen, is the Thai, la Thai language for fat. And at first I was like, what are, why are you calling people fatty? It's very insulting, you know? And another one they had was, Dean uh, Kaoru Yang, have you eaten yet? This was a conversation starter to building rapport. And I always used to think, why are you asking me if I have eaten yet? And I thought it was really strange, but there is... It's very caring for them to to ask, are you are you eating? Do you have enough money to eat? Are you taking care of yourself? And looking at the psychological kind of part of it, it's really kind of interesting, you know, why they why they do that. What's the main kind of conversation starters in Italian, Claudia? In Italian? Yeah. Um... May, uh, may, of course, the weather. We we talk a lot about the weather uh, mm -hmm. as <laughs> icebreaker, let's say. Uh, why? But why do you talk about the weather there? I know why they do it in British English. The weather changes <laughs> every ten minutes in the UK. You know, yeah. in the morning it can be snow, then rain, then sun, and why in Italy? I don't know, really. I, I don't really know, but I found myself very often talking about the weather with even. People that I know well, so but uh -huh. just like saying, "Oh, look, there is a very beautiful day. It's a very beautiful day. It's sunny." So, like silly things that would uh -huh. get the conversation start. But mm -hmm, yes, mm -hmm. maybe the weather, but also uh, professional questions. Like I uh -huh. don't know, like Such based as... on your profession, like, mm -hmm. what do you do 
for leaving. Basically, this could be another yeah, yeah, conversation yeah. starter. That, that um, could be a kind of, um, I've heard some, some English learners, they get a bit confused when we say, what do you do? A lot, do? Of them, a lot of them kind of think, oh, how do you do? Or, you know, they're not actually making the connection between what do you do, meaning what is how your profession? Okay. You know, um, and it's uh, it's something that kind of English learners should need to know these small questions that mean kind yeah. of a lot. Yeah, yeah. What do you do? Yeah. What do you do? Yes, exactly. Um, even food. Yes, we talked a lot. We talk a lot oh, about you? food, uh -huh. <laughs> but we are a uh, food-based culture. So <laughs> yeah, I'm half Italian, and I've got to say that we've got the nonna really, you know, deep in our back minds. And the yes. thing is that asking someone if you have eaten is mm -hmm. like perhaps you know uh not so far a sign uh, of caring <laughs> yeah yeah yes, like, of affection yes uh like did you have especially like have you have lunch or dinner mm -hmm. uh because breakfast well whatever mm, yeah yeah exactly but in this case for example when we're talking about uh, you know, like lunch or dinner. Uh, I think that it is kind of like, have you eaten? Yes, yeah, exactly. And even if you are in a professional um, uh, report, in this case, uh, if you if this coworker of yours, I mean, you've been working with this person for months or even years, this is a, such normal uh question because usually you know uh we work long hours at the office and we know that sometimes this person can skip uh Meals. lunch or dinner exactly mm -hmm. so there you go mm -hmm. so it's not so so crazy here in spain for example i'm based in spain and uh, -huh. uh kind of like very similar very mediterranean uh costume you know like have you eaten so that is a normal one uh -huh. it's uh -huh. like asking are you okay <laughs> yeah exactly. it's like more or less like that yes but for example if i'm having a conversation with my neighbor uh -huh. uh, that is the kind of small talk that sometimes is automatic it, it's like automatic mode mm -hmm. and conversation is like and you can have the same exact conversation with this neighbor or you know with the doorman you know at uh -huh. your building or something like that like the typical how are you fine and you great okay see you later okay bye how are your kids uh, uh -huh. yes about questions. the family also questions about the family yes mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. so Cloud, oh, sorry i was going to say cloudy you said a question there are you okay are you okay is that, is, how do you feel if someone asks you that I've, I've had students i remember i had a student who might be watching this and uh, she would say to me are you okay how would you feel if someone said, are you okay? What's your initial thoughts about that? Because for me, if someone says, are you okay? I automatically think. It's weird, yeah. What, what are do you they know concerned? about my health? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> are they concerned about me? Yes, that's, that's the, the thought. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe it's like the, how are you thing? Like, how are you? right mm. no no but if they ask you about the food they it's like it's more intense like are you okay have you eaten are you sure that you've eaten enough are you sure uh -huh. that you've eaten that enough yeah it's very <laughs> intense very intense so i i i mean when i was learning spanish one of the things i would do is i would have i would i would uh, kind of be walking to work and i would have these conversations in my mind about going into a coffee shop or into a restaurant or somewhere. And I would have these two-way conversations 
And this was me kind of practicing how to build rapport in Spanish, you know. Hola, buenos dias, como esta? And I would have these two-way conversations. And that really kind of helped me when I was learning a new language, just yeah. to have a kind of stock or a list of questions mm -hmm. or conversation starters that I could exactly. use in a, when I was not speaking English, you know, speaking in a different mm -hmm. language. How would you advise your students to to have the confidence to, to start a conversation, to build rapport? What would be your number one thing or your go-to thing that you would tell your students to do, Andy? Well, um, I think that I said it before, just be genuine. I know that if you talk to my mother, she would be like, don't be so much yourself, kind of like tone it down a little, uh -huh. um, because I know that I can come up, you know, like strong. But apart, you know, from being genuine, uh, the most important thing is um, asking questions. I think that mm -hmm. we have to learn or, or relearn how to listen to people. Mm -hmm. uh, the better listener you are, the better speaker you become. And yeah. uh, in this case, I think and and this is a, a healthy practice that I, I do myself. I mean, everything that I say here and on any platform, I do practice to a large extent, um, except for the part of being consistent because I have a struggle mm -hmm. with that part. But in any case, building a, a report and, and having a better connection, being, being genuine and listen. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's so my, yes, I agree with Andy, but uh -huh. I, I like to also talk with my students about my, the mindset, not just uh -huh. about the strategy, language strategy, which is, of course, important because you have mm. to have the tools to communicate, but also to, to be in the right mindset. Mm. I tend to, to think that um, if I'm shy, if I'm a sh shy person in Italian, I will be a shy person also in English. So, uh -huh respect yourself basically if you would not succeed succeed the first time it, it's okay uh -huh, <laughs> there's nothing uh -huh. wrong with you you're trying you're learning even uh -huh. failure can be a, a very good learning process basically. yeah 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 that, that's interesting Claudia one, one thing I'll finish on here is um you say, do you feel when you speak a different language do you feel you take on that persona of that language yeah i change my students do you? told me that i change also, uh -huh. my voice changes basically yes but i start thinking in a different way do you sure. ah, so I, I i feel a different person i speak three languages three foreign languages i speak uh -huh. english russian and spanish wow. and i am a different person <laughs> in all of them so yeah you change when you when you speak another language yes the way you you think the way you speak the way you move yeah. uh also yeah. your non-verbal communication let's say uh -huh. when i speak italian i tend to jet to do a lot of gestures of course but <laughs> when i speak english i'm more i'm more still i'm more I'm yeah. calmer, yes. Yeah, the mm -hmm. the Latin, the Latin, the kind of southern, the southern Europeans are, uh, their hands are an extension of their mouth and their. But there, there is a reason. Know. There is. A is reason. there? Tell me, I want to know. Yeah, yeah. In Italy, um, um usually we reached uh, language union. Let's say um with uh, basically after the second world war the actual language union because it was uh the time when the television come came uh -huh. basically so they needed 
uh, a real standard language, real Italian, basically standard Italian. Uh, before of that, uh, the territory was divided into regions. You know, the Italian territory is divided into regions yeah. and every region, even every area of the region has its own dialect. Oh, wow. Uh -huh. so basically, it could be could be that if you live in uh, you and another person, you lived in the same region, you may have a different dialect, a slightly different dialect uh -huh. from each other, basically. Uh -huh. So uh, given this variety of dialects and, and therefore languages, because Italian dialects are actually languages, yeah. because they, come, they stem from Latin. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Wow, they need to, to use their hands to communicate with each other because they basically they didn't share the exact same language. So ah, in order right. for them to be understood, they needed to accompany the speech with their hands. Yes, exactly. Fantastic. Excellent. I didn't know that, that was the that was the universal language back then. And then um, when the television came, uh the, the television provided an actual Italian standard, let's yeah. say, for the language. Right. Uh -huh. So every uh every region started to align with with the standard and oh, they, interesting. Uh -huh. they started to have to to master a standard language, a shared well, language, a shared well that be the same in the UK because the UK is very, very tribal with its accents and dialects and when television came along, everyone had a standard British RP accent, you know. Yes, exactly. And nowadays, it's the BBC, for example, have went from this RP back to more of a more of a regional dialect and a regional kind of accent. Do you think that that will be the same in Italy? Maybe, yeah. Why not? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Excellent. Good. Mm -hmm. And are you okay? Anything you want to add on to rapport? Or anything before we move on? No, I'm good. Let's move on. Next. Let's what? move on. Fantastic. Oh, actually, I wanted to, to add something. Yes. Um, yes. When Andy said something about uh, preparing questions, etc., recently I read an article based on a research that was carried out, I don't know, recently, I think, I don't know. They mm -hmm. listed 36 questions that two strangers can ask to each other to grow uh intimate like to to become more get close close yes. yeah acquainted. yeah yes uh, -huh. uh maybe we can share that uh you know in the podcast link yes why not oh you have this claudia yeah i think i can retrieve that yeah fantastic excellent that'd be interesting you know so we don't Great. have you know, our audience hanging like, what is this article? I need it. <laughs> sure. We're going to find it for you, guys. So it was interesting worry. because it, it, they did an experiment with strangers. Mm -hmm. They mm. kind of seated at the same table and they started asking each other this kind of All right, specific questions. Yes, uh -huh. exactly. Brilliant. So if, if people are listening to the podcast, etc., there'll be a link um, and then you'll be able to download this if we can get it from Claudia, yeah? Mm -hmm, the podcast sure. uh, details. Fantastic. Excellent. Right, let's have a look. That was the first one about rapport. We're going to be looking at the next question, which is, there we go. Can we put that there? <laughs> um, there we go. This is very, very simple. Yeah, this is something that... Uh, I don't know if this is simple. 
Is the first day of the week Sunday or Monday? I live in Norway. In Italy, it's Monday. But... And here, Monday is the first day of the week. Okay. What's the first day of the week? Andy, what's the first day of the week for you? Well, uh, the thing is that I belong to the Western part of the world. So uh -huh. I think with a Western mentality. So for me, the first day of the week is Monday. Yeah. Uh, and it will all be always be Monday because uh, based on how I was raised and my background context, uh, you know, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the seventh day. The yeah, seven yeah. Day uh -huh. of the rest of the Lord. So the Sabbath. Exactly. Uh -huh. So in this case, uh, that's how I was uh, raised. And uh, in a Western culture, as far as I know of, uh, this is the first day of the week. Monday. Yeah. Mm, Claudia. Yeah, it's Monday for me too. But really? when I switch my Google Calendar into English, automatically <laughs> it places Sunday at the beginning. So I don't know why <laughs> either. And it's really I, confusing uh -huh. when it does that. I hate it because yeah, I'm dyslexic. <laughs> And the thing is that I really have to pay attention to certain details mm -hmm. and I kind of like, what? Oh, no, it's not. Because I have things uh, already like with a fixed uh, yes, I have in a my mind. Visual. And of course, that... if it's not like that, I'm like, what the F? <laughs> yes, yes, it's confusing. <laughs> Why are you it's Monday? <laughs> I, I, I think, I always think Sunday is the first day of the week for me, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know why... And I always, when I was living in Thailand, uh, I would have Tuesday and Wednesday would be my weekend. So Monday would then become my Friday and mm. Thursday would become my Monday. You know, my, it was all kind of back to front and higgledy-piggledy, you know. Um, uh, so for me... Is there a reason why is it a Sunday for you? Well, I don't know. I think because Saturday is the end of the week. Oh, it's when when I was younger, I used to go watch the football, go and meet my friends. A fresh start, basically. Yeah, and Sunday would be the preparation day for going back to work, would oh, be, you know. Okay. Sun Monday would be the the first day of the working week, and Sunday would be the first day of the work. This the could week. be the solution to a problem that I <laughs> recently read online. So basically, Italian people are very mad at monday because it's the first day of work yeah so uh -huh. it's like i hate monday i i hate this so if we change <laughs> this start of the week that could be it's a sunday solution. i yeah. do have to say that i am a monday kind of person uh -huh. i don't know you guys out there but uh -huh. years years i don't know i've i've all i think that i always kind of like been this way but I, I I I am a Monday kind of person. I mean, what is what can be better than starting your week with, with an open, you know, uh, clean slate of possibilities? Like, I think that. Wow, I, you're so positive. I positive, I love it. yeah, yeah. Oh well, I, I don't know. I think that it's because of what Claudia said about like having the like the right mindset, mindset which i also talk about that on my on my, my uh -huh. platform a lot uh -huh. um you know having the, the the right mindset and and this goes to and it's going to be applied to anything i mean like learning languages like going to work um a growth mindset exactly a growth uh, mindset yes because if, if you think about it i mean imagine that you had a really crappy weekend right mm. crappy means like not that great um exactly it doesn't Informal. matter don't use it with your boss yes exactly <laughs> um and imagine and this is regardless of when your week starts 
right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're going to start something, and if you started on the left foot, what does it mean to start something on the left foot, guys? Mm, let us know. <laughs> well, I have to start something on the left foot. Uh huh. On the it wrong side of the on bed. On the wrong side say. of the bed. <laughs> All right, there you go. All right. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. the thing is that if you're going to start something, anything, I mean, why are you going to start it uh, with this negativity? I think that mm -hmm. is so crazy. So um, I'd rather start something, but I mean, like in, in this good, positive feeling. Uh, and if then uh, things start you know, going south well, but at least I, I, I had like a positive attitude yeah. towards it, right? So what does that mean, going south? Interesting, interesting bit of vocabulary there, hmm. and something, if something goes, goes south, what does it mean? And can be anything, uh, relationships, uh, whatever. It means that they're not going the way that you wanted to, so basically bad. All right, so they're going down, right? Mm -hmm. South, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have so many things coming on, happening on my mind right now. So many jokes, but I don't think that is like topic appropriate right now. Mm. Brilliant. So are we in agreement then Sunday or Monday is the first day of the week. Sunday for me. Monday, Monday for us. Oh, two to one. I'm Sorry. lost. I'm lost. <laughs> Brilliant. Although in, in the Arabic countries, the weekend is Friday, right? That's their Sunday, right? In Arabic countries. Yeah, that's their day of prayer i guess is that right on the friday yeah as far as i know of mm -hmm. yeah, yeah 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 we got to confirm that with our audience i mean mm -hmm. you guys yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need yeah, the help from the audience mm -hmm. sunday is friday is your sunday in the arabic world is that right yes or no we need to know <laughs> right let's have let's move on everyone okay with that let's mm -hmm. move on let's move on we have Oh, we've got a question. This was from Facebook. Does British or do British people encounter any confusing conversation with Americans when they travel there? For example, British would be confused when American goes to the UK asking for the restrooms. So what they're basically saying is, and this is quite a, a question that I um, came across when I started my Instagram, was a lot of people get really uptight about the difference between British English American. and American English. And English people get upset when you say it's British English, you know. Mm. What do you think? The Do you think American and British people get confused with the different types of English? Claudia? I get confused. <laughs> do you really? Interesting. No, 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 uh -huh. I, I, now I've tried to, I, I, I know how to <laughs> recognize the American and British, but at the very beginning of my journey, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Why? Really? You share the same language. Why would you choose two different words to describe the same item? Let's say wasting uh -huh. garbage. Was that trash? and? Um, uh, what was that bin no the bin. Yeah, yeah yeah in the bin yeah i was like okay because i needed to to double my effort and say to to understand to learn everything uh so mm. yes it was confusing but now i am more knowledgeable about mm. the differences between american and british i think that british people um but i think this is a stereotype but i am not sure of that um um has the, the the purest version of the language let's say so the british do yeah i think 
mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yes, I think American people struggle um, to actually uh, understand everything um, the mm. British people say. Yeah. This is I, the I, sensation I, that I have. I saw, I saw a meme and it was, you know, exactly. like in Chinese, <laughs> in Chinese you have like the... Uh, what do you call it? The simplified Chinese and traditional Chinese, you know. And it had the American flag. It had the British flag, and it says British would Eng- would be the, the traditional English. And it had the American flag saying simplified English. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this is what I meant. Um, yes. I do understand what you mean. And, and my students struggle with this a lot. And I do struggle myself with it too. Because um, the thing is that we've got to be aware that, and, and I think that we have to uh, take a lot of load when it comes to like American English or British English. There are like a wider variety of Englishes out there. And oh, yeah. To talk about this more often yeah. um this can actually can this can actually be another podcast you know because <laughs> actually i've done an episode on that i talk i talked mm-hmm. also about that because yeah. we tend to, to do this too. distinction but there are a lot of more <laughs> accents and languages variants basically exactly mm. because i mean english is english but the thing is that the varieties of this English, it was, it's what makes uh, the confusion and what makes it so dreadful to some or maybe more interesting to others, right? So from my view, what I think is that uh, now we are getting better at that, uh, which is that we are trying to include in our school book texts, for instance, uh-huh. we are like, including more varieties when it comes to just one item, as you mentioned. And I think that being in contact with this varieties, uh, uh, with this variety, this varieties and vocabulary in general widens our uh, possibility to understand. Because in the end, we've got to think about successful communication. Yeah. You remember when I when I uh, went to Ireland, um, because it was a, a business trip and I was like, I mean, do I speak English? Hello? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because again, you not only, uh, usually this happens, you know, when you go to the bigger cities that um, you get like, a, I don't want to use this adjective, you get like a less, less um, form of English that is like touched by regionalisms or yes I don't want to say clean English because it wouldn't be correct I want to say that it's not influenced as much as uh, you go like maybe to smaller towns or cities Mm. I think Mm. that this happens in all countries regardless of the language so it was really challenging for me when I stepped out of Dublin and I went to a smaller town and I was like what is this lady's saying i mean i have i didn't have a clue and it's not about uh since claudia mentioned you know um stereotyping and it's kind of like oh yeah because we americans we're dumb and uh, you know like you know <laughs> i think that it it happens it, it might it could be no i'm kidding um the thing is that i think that it's all related to the variety of englishes that we've got out there and that we are simply um, not in touch with, with yeah, them. We, we I was about to ignore, say, that. yeah, we ignore their existence. And, uh, 
um, about making an effort. I don't see it as making an effort. I see it more as uh, like kind of like research. Yes, mm. let's see. Let's let's give it like a different feeling. And it's more like research, especially if you're going to travel to a different country that you know that they speak English. Have you ever thought that they might not uh, use the same, for example, idioms? Yeah, yes, yeah. this is very mm. common uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, the differentiations between America, Canada, uh, sure. Australia or right or, or uh, the UK. So what I'm trying to say is that basically it's, kind of, it's not such a simple thing as mm -hmm. just like American or British English. And that is like as, as if it's the only kind of yeah. a variety you know, you know what i traveled yeah. to prague like uh -huh. two weeks ago and I, I i know russian so i i could have used russian because they they, they speak russian but i used english uh, as a lingua franca basically uh -huh. um so i get to i i needed to get used to their accent to the mm. Czech accent speaking English, because this is another layer of difficulty, basically. Um, so it's, but I, what I, um, what I realized is that it's all about getting familiar with the accent. So yeah. at first, you may find it difficult to, to understand another accent, but as, as long as you are willing to learn and to listen more and to became mm. familiar actually familiar yeah. with the accent you will you will manage to understand everything basically yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i've got a student in argentina and she's an english teacher and she was saying in argentina they go by when they're doing exams everything has to be 100 correct the accent has to be correct the each pronunciation has to be correct etc and I introduced her to a radio station in the UK called Radio X. And her mind was blown because she was like, is this how people really speak in the, U in the UK? Mm. Is, what does fancy mean? What do, what do all these words mean that I, we don't know about? You know, really. Um, so you're absolutely right. There's different kind of dialects and uh, accents. It's no longer just the one size fits all, like the, yeah. the RP accent in the UK or the traditional standard American accent, you know. And the, the worst one for me, British kind of dialect, if you like, is the Australian. They have so many different words in Australia compared to the UK. They always shorten the words and add a Y on the end to everything, you know, like mm -hmm. sunnies or chippies or you know like uh, barbies etc so the vocabulary can become very very i mean um, different you know if you guys think about it there is like a very there is like a there is like a variety of reasons behind that and you know with television that unified uh you know some sort we, we kind of like talk about it at the beginning um and there is like this reason where we can all understand right mm. so there is um, some, there, there is like this big reason behind, of course, there are other reasons uh, that we, that, that perhaps is, it, it doesn't come, you know, uh, we, we were not supposed to talk about it today, but um, yes, like native speakerism and the power of the language and all those things, yes, that they can be behind, but on a positive perspective, I do understand that, of course, it makes it a lot easier for a lot mm. of us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah like focus on something and then you can expand let's take yeah, it from yeah. there right yeah yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Good. So do do Americans, everyone really under all all the native speakers, in my opinion, really understand the uh, they might, as Claudia says, they might use different vocabulary at some points, but in general, native speakers will will all kind of understand. If American comes in and says, "Excuse me, where's the restrooms?" That's my American accent. <laughs> <laughs> all the British will start incorporating you know that accent, you know. Yeah, you know what? Actually, at the when I start when I was at university, they want us to have to master an accent uh -huh. because, uh, as I was saying you before starting the live, we were expecting expected to have a very uh, high quality English, high quality Spanish, etc. Uh -huh. So we needed to master an accent. And when I chose the accent I wanted to master, I was like, no, I will never master an American accent <laughs> because uh -huh. I was struggling. I was struggling and really to understand what they were saying. Uh -huh. I, I Still now, I'm not able to replicate the American accent. I think I would be very, very bad at this. But I, with time, I forced myself to listen to American speakers to get familiar with the accent and finally I mm. succeeded in understanding the the American accent but it is it was not easy for me to do that yeah. there's a, there's different levels of them I mean New York accent yeah exactly to, like the Texas accent for example right exactly mm -hmm. even in in the UK you have the Scottish you have the yes the Irish um they are very even different. the north of England to they are, I always say if you travel 70 kilometers in the UK, the accent will change. Yes, so exactly. Also same, in Italy, dialects. About, is it, yeah, it's the same, isn't it? From the south of Italy, when I lived there to the north, the accent would be past Napoli. Like, would change. Even within like 40, 40 kilometers, you, you, you could listen to different dialects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very tribal, isn't it? Mm. Very tribal. Yes. Excellent. Good stuff. Right. So that was accents. Let's have a, where are we? Here we go. Here we go. What else have we been asked? We've got time for a couple more. Oh, here's a grammar question. Do you have some tips to learn irregular <laughs> verbs? Memorize them. <laughs> it's such no tricks. I'm them. sorry. I'm not about tricks. Uh, you won't get them from me. I'm sorry. Uh -huh. <laughs> you have to study. <laughs> you have to do the work. You have to do the work. But how, how for example, the, um, the big one is for uh, is come came come. Mm -hmm. That that's uh, that I, is I the find easiest one. No, there is no the for one. for native speakers. though, we would we for verb three we would use we. Don't know if it's came or come for for the for the past participle. You know, oh. I think for the big big thing I always used to, like you guys would say would be use it in context and memorize, but don't mm -hmm. memorize them all at once. Use maybe three or four at a time, you know, and memorize. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. What I did was uh, write them on a sticky note, uh -huh. uh, and I placed the. I have my bedroom full, filled with the sticky notes. So uh -huh. you can use sticky notes if, if this helps your mind better uh -huh. remember them. But you have to memorize them. Yes, to create sample sentences, this could be another tip. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they want to provide context. Yes, to provide context. Context is the, is the key to learning, I think. You know, you could. I always used to see students in the classroom and they'd write down 50 words 
And I would say, why are you doing that? You're never going to remember it. It's taking up brain space for you. Exactly. you know? <laughs> Learn maybe four or five, put it in sentences and practice and then. But and then you know, on. even another thing that is important to mention is that there are a lot of irregular verbs. So you just have to focus on the one that you use the most. So this could be another another tip. because Yeah, find out which one you use the most. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And there, anything you want to add? Well, perhaps uh, what I would say is that, um, and this is what I what I used to tell my my younger students, like uh-huh. elementary students, because um, and and I use the same tactic with my adults. Um, it's more about what Claudia said about what which are the ones that you use. But mm-hmm. if you are going to do an action, yes, you're doing this action, so you have to think about this action, and then immediately. By doing this action, uh, you'll try to remember, oh, uh, right. The a trigger, like a trigger. Exactly. trigger right, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And this has to come automatically to your brain, like, oh, the verb to write, okay, is write, wrote, written. Oh, yeah, there you go. And then you go ahead. So mm. and in this case, they were they took it as a game, like a mind game kind of thing. And uh, it was easier to introduce in context and in speech, because the thing is that when we are allowed to, um, you know, give ourselves a little bit more time when it comes like, for instance, when we're writing, uh, we can think about it, we can even we can even cheat and, you know, like Google it. Uh, But what happens when you're speaking? Mm. Irregular verbs, uh, they have the problem that they don't usually come natural to the uh, second language learner because probably their language background, they don't have this variation. So the Mm. thing is that uh, my like hot advice would be like just try to use it as like a game. Yes. Like when you're doing that action. Yes. Try to think about it and like go ahead and okay, and then you can go ahead and continue. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Another thing is given yeah. that this is a um, memorization exercise, let's say you have mm-hmm. to be aware of how your memory works, basically, because uh-huh. we have different types of memory. This is something that I do with my students. Uh-huh. We we do we do a test on our memory. So I I usually read a text. Uh, divided in sentences so I read the first sentence and I ask them to repeat that and then I read the second sentence and I ask them to repeat the first one and the second one so they Mm -hmm. have to remember all the the sentences all along yeah but this is uh to 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 test whether they are a good listener let's say so Mm. if their memory works better on listening let's say Mm. um uh, um, another another good exercise that you can do is to uh, to watch yourself to uh, how you prepare your ex- you prepared your exams for example uh-huh. how did uh-huh. you rehearse for the exams uh, did you walk <laughs> because I know people who in order for them to memorize they need to walk they need to All right. uh-huh. Uh-huh. move basically mm-hmm. or uh, do you learn better by writing things down or do mm. you learn better by rehearsing them with a pencil on your in your yeah, hand yeah. basically mm-hmm. yeah 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 oh, can, can you listen to me okay yeah 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 so maybe you have a preference for motion maybe you have a yeah. preference for having something in your hand um you have to so it's really what you're saying there is find 
the best way for you to learn. Yeah, it's your memorization style. I don't know yeah. how to label. Yeah, that. yeah, absolutely. It's so true. I mean, some students will learn, you know, they learn by reading the book. For me, when I was learning Spanish, for me, the best way I learned was reading aloud. Blah, blah, me llamo yeah. Ken. Visual memorization, da, da, da. maybe, yes. Mm, I always felt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No. I always feel that. Mm -hmm. Go on, Andy. No, oh, no, finish already. I apologize. Go ahead. No, the, the reason I, I thought reading aloud was good was you were learning three ways. You were learning with your eyes. You were learning with your mouth because you were, and you were also learning with your ears because you were listening to yourself. You know, yes, you I just found for me that was that was a good way to learn. Yeah. You know, by speaking aloud. Andy, that's right. But you know what? Apart from that, so that then we can close on the subject. Um, the thing is that when it comes to verbs, the, they are not just separate beings that are out there okay uh we forget that they belong also to this very specific structures and we use them in very specific structures for this reason for me content is uh, sorry context is king because yeah. with context and that's why i i really believe that by doing the action it's going to be easier for you to remember yes mm. and then you can use it again like in different time tenses that's why separate them and learning learning them separately from yeah. like real life context i think that it's it's so hard and uh, it's time consuming yeah 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 it's time consuming yeah. okay good so that was irregular verbs and the impossibility of of uh, of learning and remembering all the irregular verbs in English, right? Right. So one, we've got time for one more. I, one more. I don't know. So many takeaways. My gosh! In this. Uh, yeah, I, I mean. Let's say that we're doing the last one. <laughs> okay, yeah, no yeah, we are. We yeah, are. Yeah, yeah. So, is this sentence below correct? What is this for? Is it a rule that we do not have a sentence with a preposition and how to correct it? What is this for? We've got the preposition for at the end, right? Yes, that's what the terminal P. Is that, is that correct or not? Yes, that's the terminal P. That's a grammar rule, right? <laughs> is it? It's uh -huh. called the terminal P. Yes, exactly. You have to place the preposition at the end. We have to place the preposition at the end. What is this for? That is correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, Andy? But in that specific case, because yeah. although it is true that we um, have to finish certain sentences or questions with the preposition, some people demonize this practice. Mm -hmm. So, yes. um, and some people find it even incorrect. What I would say to keep it clean, just do it in informal conversation or writing, if that's the case, but yeah. not in formal writings. Because for instance, uh, when I prepare my students for the Cambridge exams or the IELTS or whatever certification test, I always strongly recommend them not to do that uh, mm -hmm. because they're gonna, they're gonna lose so many points. Yes, yeah, yeah. their score will go down. Um, and the reason is, because a lot of people feel that this is incorrect, even though it is a grammar rule. So let's use it, but with silk gloves. Like, okay. Yeah. Let's I actually, I, I, I uh, had a, someone send me a DM. It was a link, uh, very expert link, uh, linguist um, who was proficient in Spanish and Norwegian, etc. And they said, this is actually correct. It's just very informal mm -hmm. writing. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. I was under the impression that we couldn't put it at the end. And 
we don't learn all these grammar rules at school. When I was learning to be a teacher or training to be a teacher, an English teacher, I had to unlearn a lot of things. I could not tell you what the what the uh, perfect tense was or the passive voice. We don't learn this at school, you know. So uh, things like this, we didn't learn. So I heard from a, a real live expert that what is this for is correct, but it's just really for informal writing. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Any other, anything you want to add? Well, I know we're running out of time here. This yeah, I think that we're good for today. Oh my God. So much, so many takeaways. I'm so, yes. I'm so happy about this uh, <laughs> podcast. It's so yeah. useful and insightful in so many ways. Don't you guys think so? Mm-hmm. Absolutely right. Claudia, what do you want to add on to the end of this? Anything oh, you want nothing. To it was a pleasure to meet you. <laughs> uh, yes, I really like this this chat. I think that uh, the people listening to that uh, would have learned a lot. <laughs> okay. Excellent. Well, what we'll do is we'll leave um, all our contact details on this um, so you can contact us on our social media platforms. Also, as well, we'll make these slides available to anyone who wants to see these slides. Um, you'll be able to download them from the website. If there's uh, and any freebies, there'll be a couple of freebies that we'll throw in as well. Uh, hopefully, Claudia, if you've got those 36 questions, I'll remind you uh, that we mentioned earlier, if you can. Yeah, Brilliant. Well, thanks very much for watching, everyone who's watching on our uh, Facebook and on YouTube. And hopefully, you'll catch up with us again very soon. So I'll, I'll say goodbye to everyone. and. Uh, See you later. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. So that's all for this week's episode of the Three Teachers Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed our discussion and the insights shared by our special guest. We want to remind you that you can always reach out to us with any questions or topics or suggestions for future episodes. The contacts will be in the program notes. Don't forget to tune in next week when we will be discussing another fantastic topic related to the English language. In the meantime, keep practicing. Don't give up. Fluency is closer than you think. Thanks for listening. I will see you next week. Bye for now.